All right, boys. What do we got on tap for tonight? Uh, first things first. I gotta show you my keyboard. No, no. Here we go. Look it's at this. Not- <laughs> Look at this. Yeah. What are we? What are we looking at? I mean, it just looks like watch, a keyboard. Watch, watch this. This has got to be like the worst podcast material ever because <laughs> Sasquatch and I are both looking at Jeff's keyboard like it's kind of gay. Uh, and oh, wait. Everybody wait, else wait, that's listening to wait. it is. Watch this part. Boom. We're oh, all so just cool. wondering what is wrong with Jeff at the moment. <laughs> Jeff is entertained because his, his keyboard kind of makes what kind of looks like a fire work going off and he is just <laughs> enthralled with that oh dude do y'all have walls where you are like the store walls you have those it's like a, uh, i know what you're talking about yeah all right well i went in walls this week and went down their electronics aisle it was like a bunch of stuff that wasn't priced and was like halfway boxed and torn up and i found some awesome stuff including this mechanical light up keyboard for ten dollars and you had to buy it. I had to. I had no choice. There's you like no way you could walk out of that store without that keyboard. So you bought it because you wanted a mechanical keyboard, didn't you? Yes. I wanted the clickety-clackety. Yeah. It's awesome. What else did you buy? Some nerdy computer parts that you won't care about. But I knew you would care about the keyboard. Oh, I am. I am jealous beyond... Like, will that work with a laptop? Like, I need to. I need to make that. I need. I need that in my life. It will. It's just USB. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I have for, for tonight. So, <laughs> Sasquatch, I assume you have some bullet. I do bullet in your glass. I'm getting low too. I'm gonna have to buy another bottle. I didn't realize that whenever I was grocery shopping today. That's too bad. <laughs> Jeff, what do you I assume you've probably got what early times going on? This is the first time I've drank early times since I have recovered from the COVID. So can you like taste it now? A little bit. It's it's coming back a little more each day. It's mainly the smell now that's like not really very strong. Like I can taste stuff a lot better now, but I still like have to try really hard to smell anything. I feel like with your like deviated septum, wanky old nose, you probably were only a 50% capacity of normal humanity in the olfactory yeah. senses anyway. You're probably not wrong. Well, I got some uh, Bardstown. Discovery Series Four Ooh. in the old in the old Glen Cairn tonight. It's pretty Glen good Karen. stuff, man. The Glen Cairns, yeah. how that's how that's how real whiskey people drink their whiskey. What kind of glass are you drinking out of, Jared? He's got a Tell us about glass. it. Tell us about your glass. Somebody gave them to me. I have four of them. I use them, and then when they're dirty, I put them in the dishwasher, and then I use them again. Damn if you're it, gonna you're so be cool. like. If you're going to be like Sasquatch and you have to have ice in your whiskey, uh, I'm not going to make fun of him for it right now. But if you have to do it, then he has the appropriate glass for that. I I go about 50-50. Sometimes I just drink it neat. But when I'm just like sipping it like this, I do like an ice ball in my whiskey. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. I think I've already told you all about my glass. My glass is pretty cool. It has the uh, city grid of my hometown etched into the glass. So it's like the, the roadmap of Ada, Oklahoma, etched into the glass here. It's freaking cool. He's given us the visual of that that only Sasquatch and I get to enjoy. Well, you know uh, what? I'm here, to, I'm here to talk to you in Sasquatch. That's true. <laughs> uh, let us know uh, in the comments of this show if Sasquatch... Uh, is less of a Sasquatch because he has ice in his in his bourbon. All right, Sasquatch, you just shot a match. I did. I shot the Illinois sectional this weekend. 
Oh, it's a it's a good, a good match. match. Yeah, they they do a good job running it. Um, if I was gonna pick one thing, I'll I'll just pick probably one thing I don't like about the match. Okay, and th- then I'll talk about all the good stuff. So areas for improvement, always good. Yeah, I mean, so they they seem to have gotten on the trend of where they end up having basically all field courses. Okay, have you mm. shot this match before? Yeah, I've shot it. Uh, I think I've shot it every year since 2017. Okay, so is that like, like, did you think it was going to be like that going in? Uh, no, it, it seems like it's gotten a little bit more of that each year. I feel like there was more short or medium courses in the past and a couple short courses. This year, I think, uh, I think every stage was over like, well, it was like 340 rounds for a 12 stage match. Wow. That's... And and one of the stages was twelve rounds. So, so then every other stage was thirty two rounds. <laughs> it was like twenty nine to thirty rounds or whatever, thirty two. Uh, so that's that's the bad, and it's not really. I got a preface on that too. Is the stages were pretty good. I just would like to see more variety in the stages because I don't really care to shoot, you know, eleven field courses. Like yeah, I'm really kind of curious, uh, like the motivation for building those those types of matches, because almost every shooter that I talk to prefers a mix of some kind. Uh, like they appreciate short courses, they appreciate medium courses, and obviously the long courses. Um, I I think a lot of that comes from stages being designed by committee. So you have six, eight, ten people submitting stages. And a bunch of people submit field courses, and they want nobody, theirs used. Yeah. And yeah, then, nobody wants to submit a short course. And then when you when you get done built, when you get you know done picking them out, you're like, oh, you know, there's one short course here. And the big, I'd say the big thing that was different this year is one of the bays normally had two like short courses on it. Did not have it had a field course on it this year, or like a 26 round stage or something, or 24 or whatever. And that's not, you know, that's not cut it deep. It's just that's one thing that I would say was an area for improvement. Uh, now, otherwise, on the match, uh, like I said, the, the people that run it do a great job with, with the match. They do some stuff a little different, so there's not like a, there's not a prize table or anything, but the match is pretty well sponsored. So, like, they give uh, uh, Ben Steger Pro Shop sponsors the match. They give a hundo gauge away to each squad. That's kind of cool, just by random draw. That's cool. Um, otherwise there's little prize packs that whenever you, you register, you get, they do actually do a chrono, like a a level two should have, and they send out cool trophies, uh, in the past they have. So the first two times I shot, I think I got second place. And one of the guys that run it, when he sent out the trophy, he sent a second label for the trophy that said two time reigning first loser or something like that. (laughs) That was pretty funny. Okay, speaking of placement, were you not first loser again this time? I was. Man, I've shot that. I think I think I shot that four that match four times now, right? I've won it once and I've got second the rest of the times. It's <laughs> awesome. Someday you will make that match. It'll just you'll own it one of these yeah, days. I mean, I, I wasn't upset though. I shot I shot pretty well. Um it wasn't I wouldn't say it was a tough match. It was definitely a little tougher for minor, uh, a lot of partials and stuff. So I think I probably shot maybe a little too safe on those targets compared to my competition. So I, I picked up a lot of points on, on the partial targets and stuff like the head boxes and shooting a lot of alphas there. I was a little bit slower on the time, but I had a lot more alphas, but I think uh, maybe a little more aggressive planning as my competition did was probably the smarter play, which is probably why they won with that game plan. Yeah, so just, I mean, just rough stats on it. Steve Lutman is the guy that won carry optics at that match. Um, yes, and he's very and good. His, he won it, by he beat you by a little over a percent, a percent and a quarter, basically, and that was 20 match points. And his time, he was six seconds faster than you. And, I mean, y'all both had zero mics. He had three deltas. You had no deltas, which is, that's pretty impressive. Uh, 
and you had yeah. like 15 more alphas than he did. So, I mean, yeah, super, super close on that. And the, and the dumbest chart, the dumbest no shoot I could have shot. Oh, you had a no shoot? <laughs> yeah, it was like. A, oh, I see that now. Okay. It was probably like an eight yard target moving in on it. And instead of just shooting a little higher and taking the Charlies, I was shooting from the lower A zone. It just like half an inch low. Zapped it. I don't know. I would say with uh, with the match being that close for you, you guys were probably shooting very, very similar or if not like the same speed strategy, points to speed strategy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, from what I've seen, I didn't see him shooting in the stages. I talked to him briefly. He shot on Saturday. I shot on Sunday. And I, I would describe his shooting as generally he's a pretty aggressive shooter for production. It's pretty quick. So I was assuming, I kind of guess assumed that he probably shot very similar to CO. He is kind of newer to CO. Uh, my guess is he's going to excel at it quite well once he gets used to it. And this was his, I think, first major with it. Yeah. Yeah, just six six seconds between y'all. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking half a second a stage when they're all field courses. Like, that's less than, I mean, like, that's like a makeup shot, right? Yeah, and, and most of the makeup shot per stage. And most of the stages were not like super high hit factory. The, the shooting was tough enough on them that I, I mean I haven't went through all of them, but I'd say they probably were averaging somewhere between six and seven hit factor for the most part. There's hmm. probably two stages that were quite a bit higher than that. Uh, you had zero stages over seven hit factor. Your highest was seven nine. You've got. The lowest is 5.0. So 5.0 to 7.9. So pretty pretty middle of the road there on the hit factors. Uh, One of the things that's kind of different about that match, especially the just because of where it's held compared to what we shoot on a lot here in in my part of the world, and I'm guessing for both of you guys too, is there's a lot of sand on the bays there. And sand is quite a bit different range surface like it feels like it takes twice as much effort for every bit of movement you do on sand it's and that might be a little bit exaggerated but it's certainly different i feel like it's uh it definitely wears out my legs it makes me feel more beat up the next day than you know a normal grass or rock yeah bay i mean i could definitely see that if you've ever tried to like run on the beach or something it's hard and I feel like Sasquatch is like their natural terrain is more rocky. Like you don't, they don't, yeah. they don't deal with sand a whole lot. Right. It's really not how they're designed. True. It like right. gets in, gets in all the hair, right? Yeah. And inside, and inside your shoes. Yeah. Right. That's probably that's I think it's probably the worst part about sand. Like it's like by halfway through the day, I can just feel it like in my shoes. There's nothing you can do about it. Did you Did you just stop and take them off and pour it out? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like by that point, they're like embedded in your socks and everything. It's just like, yeah, your feet are just filled <laughs> with sand. So, uh, I got a question on the sand. So, I don't know that I've ever really shot in sand. Does it affect like how quickly you can set up in a position, or do you like set up faster, or because you just like stop moving quicker, or <laughs> did you notice? No, and, and I think it's probably there probably is some level of difference in the time there, but I think you know the human body's pretty good about judging that, and you're just uh, it's just adjusting without any other thought about it. But what about a Sasquatch body? Well, I'm assuming that the lesser species was also similar, but <laughs> which one's Fair. the lesser species? The humans. You, you, Jeremy. You. Okay. Just I mean, I, I thought that was what you're saying, but I I mean I don't I don't disagree with that. I just wanted to make sure. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I've ever shot a match in the sand like that. Yeah, that, that's I mean that I can think of. That's the only range I've ever shot of like it's really sandy. Most I don't know why there's so much sand there. I guess it's not too far off the river, so that's probably why, but we have a little sand in some of the bays around here, but nothing like that. Did you see uh, the match that Casey Reed shot? Was it last week? This week, last weekend or something? 
the the Polish Extreme Open. I saw yeah. a couple. I saw a couple of Bezzy or uh, stages he posted. He shot very well. Looked pretty cool. Yeah, dude, those those bays and stages look crazy. They look awesome. Like their bays just look so uh, like raw, I guess. Like you know, like they don't have like the perfect triangle berms and like flat back. It's like it's almost like they just look like little ravines that are like dried out, and they just like set a stage up in there. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it looked pretty sweet. I I didn't see his. I didn't see those. Uh, I didn't see those stages. So. Yeah, that that, uh, that whole, I don't know when that was. That was last week or just last weekend. Casey was just uh, posting pictures. It was like every other uh, story was like either him and his wife sitting there drinking a beer or, or he was just shooting a match. It was awesome. It looks like they're having a great time. It would be it would be fun to like take a like a European trip and like go shoot matches like if you could if i like they're probably not probably couldn't get that many majors in it but like if you could go take like a three-week trip and hit like three majors like three weekends in a row in europe that'd be pretty fun the part i don't know is how how hard would it be traveling with a gun through multiple countries in one trip uh i don't i don't totally know it would depend on the countries that you go through uh i'm sure you i'm sure it's doable um I'm sure it'd be doable. You'd, you'd kind of want to be careful on what you like. Obviously, like you want to shoot nine millimeter. If you can, if you can figure out a way to shoot their ammo over there, that we don't have. To, you're not trying to bring or ship ammo over. Uh, I think you could do it. Um, you'd you'd have to. There'd be a lot of logistics. It wouldn't be like driving to Montana or something here and grabbing a couple of matches on the way. Like, yeah, I think it'd be doable. <clears throat> It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be fun. So the other match that happened uh, this last weekend was Area 8. And uh, there's some interesting results from Area 8. Uh, CO, Niels won, which is, I'm glad to see, I'm glad to see that for Niels because he had, he kind of had a recent match where he wasn't quite, like it was, it was just an unexpected result. I don't, I don't remember where it was at, but he wasn't. Area which one, match. Was area it? one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Area yeah, it was area one. Pretty it was area well one. Um, and he was, you know, not not where you expected him, but uh, freaking Jacob Hetherington, who has shot irons his entire career, he's never shot a dot until like I don't know, a couple months ago. It seems like uh, was only a quarter of a percent behind Nils, so like four match points. Their times were within a quarter of a second. Uh, they both, like, Neil shot 220 alphas. Jacob had 221. Basically, Jacob had one more miss than, than Nils did, and uh, and that was the difference. Uh, so, that's so like, Jacob's going to be a problem for those guys in CO. So, like, it's just another guy to add to that CO mix this year, which – Feel like in years past, CO has kind of been, yeah, Max is going to win. Like it's kind of, I mean, there's there have been a couple of people, you know, that get close, but it's never been like a deep field or, I mean, obviously Max has won every single one up to this point. Um, yeah. It'd and this year, that's not a given. It'll be interesting to see. And it's probably the, it's probably the deepest field of any nationals that since I've been around. It might be. Uh, you know, I haven't I haven't looked at the squad list for it, but yeah, it it could. I mean, it could, there could be five people deep that are legit competing for it. I'm I'm thinking there's something like eight guys that have won a national title in like the last four or five years in there. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, and Mason shot area eight too. I mean, he was he was a little bit off the pace. Um, I mean, not much. He was still only like five percent buying meals, which isn't much. But he just got married like a month ago or something like that. Yeah. Three weeks ago, I don't know. Um, so he's been a little preoccupied. I don't think his training has been the center of his attention thus far. So I expect him to 
have all that cleaned up by nationals and be at tip top shape. Uh, and then open, I don't know if you guys looked at that. Um, John, John Vliger. Uh, I, I really, I get his name wrong, his last name. And so I may be saying it wrong, but John Vliger won, uh, which that's a big, that's a big win for him. And then I'm guessing M Tilly, the first name M, I'm assuming that's Chris Tilly and that maybe his, uh, his real first name starts with an M. I don't know any other Tillys. Do you guys? No. The second, at, at, it's got to be Chris Tilly, uh, and then JJ was JJ was third at less than ninety five percent. So that's kind of a that's a bit of a shocker there. So I don't mine really says know. mine says Michael Tilly, Michael Tilly, mm-hmm. maybe it's Michael Chris. I don't. If that's an if that's a different guy, then he's obviously pretty darn freaking good. Uh, yeah. So that's that's interesting. Um, she Todd kind of, Jarrett shot open. Yeah, Todd's. I mean, Todd is Todd is an open shooter. Um, I mean, he has shot a lot of open in his life. Hmm. And then uh, Aaron Eddins also shot open. Came in fourth. He's uh he's been away for a little bit, but he just joined the AMU. So. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So he he's kind of. I don't know. I don't know exactly when he. Started basic and when he got done, but I think this might be the first major he shot this year. That's uh, man, that AMU deal is tough. Um, I mean, it looks like he should be he should be fine. My understanding of it is like they have a performance expectation. Like you know, a lot of people they get recruited into the AMU. They're not necessarily con- they're not recruiting people from the big army and they come train them. They recruit kids that have a history of shooting. Um, and they recruit them to be part of the AMU, but they still have to go through basic. But then once you get in, like if you don't perform, they'll kick you back out to the big army, so to speak. So it might be a deal where you're expecting to go in and being a professional shooter, basically. And if you don't perform, you'll might find yourself yeah. in and, Iraq or somewhere else. And I, I don't know what the requirements are there, but I would say, in in that field, if you're shooting, you know, ninety four, ninety five percent, you're probably meeting expectations. I mean, yeah, I mean, by that performance, right. I I would think he'd be Pretty fine. Good. I don't I don't know what it's. I mean, it's not winning. You don't have to win nationals, um, but I think you got to be competitive uh, at area yeah. events and nationals. One more interesting one from Area Eight is uh, I don't know if you guys know but my friend Matt Nash won his first area match in production. Awesome. Congratulations to him. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Area 8 was just this last weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, speaking of, we were talking about, you were talking about stage design, uh, Sasquatch, and, uh, like, people don't want to, like, design short courses and stuff like that. I had a, I ran a local match here this last weekend, and it's kind of, I mean, I've talked about it before on the podcast. I've got I've got two bays, and I got to fit six courses in it. So basically, I go in each bay and build a big field course, and then I see where I can fit in medium courses and short courses. Um, and this one, I happen to have a little bit of room on the side of the bay, and I hadn't used the swinger wasn't in use on the on the field course, so. So, well, I guess we'll put the swinger in. So, all it was was an activator, mini popper, a swinger, and then two open paper. One was at like 10, and one was at like probably 15 to 17. And, and that was it. So, just seven rounds, just short course. Um, man, for such a simple design, it was like it was actually a really interesting stage because you could you could shoot the two open and go hit the activator and then just wait on the swinger and and you'd know you'd get two on the swinger in the first pass um, pretty fairly easily. It's like a 10-yard swinger. It wasn't crazy. Where um, you could activate, shoot a pipe paper, come back to the swinger, then go back to the other paper. Um, so it was like it was a real – or you could go for both open paper between the activator and the swinger. Um, I went for it. 
everybody's like, man, that was it was awesome. Like, because I pulled it off, sort of. Well, I didn't actually pull it off because I had to take a second pass in the swinger because it was going away. Um, but it was still, even with that, it was the fastest time. And then we got to that like 15 or 17 yard open paper, and uh, I kind of uh, didn't hit it. So <laughs> didn't work out for me. I had two, I had two mics. Um, but like as designing like short courses like that doesn't necessarily take a ton of effort, um, to make a short course. That's interesting that, that people can shoot it different ways and have different outcomes and have risk reward that they need to outweigh and try to figure out what they want to do. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. And you know, short courses are also a good time to utilize like activators and stuff like that because you can get a little more creative or complicated with them and not have to worry about killing match flow you know by setup time you know you have two swingers on a 32 round stage like it takes a little while to run that stage if you have uh you know two activators you know two swingers on a 14 round stage it's not going to kill match flow near as much because there's not going to be a ton of movement. So, and those, those can be interesting. And then they're also very much straightforward shooting challenges. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I had something else that I was, that I was going to say and tie in, but I, I just, I forgot. Yeah, you're, um, you're getting that old age. It's all right. It's actually, yeah, that's, that's not an untrue statement. Uh, my memory, I think is getting worse. Not I guess you recovered old. from. Uh, I guess you recovered from RSV. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't. It really wasn't bad. It was like uh, kind of like a bad allergy for a few days. Um, and that's that's typically RSV in, in an adult. That's about if they get it. That's about what it is. Um, just gotcha. just a lot of a lot of congestion for so, a few yeah. days. Just to kind of yeah. ra- round things off your day, you guys want to discuss. Uh, the job opening in the in the presidency of USPSA. Yes, so exciting times are happening. Uh, cancel culture one, apparently, <laughs> um, and uh, Mike Foley got canceled. Social media, you know these dadgum millennials, they uh, they won and they mm-hmm. got the old fud kicked out. Um, so I assume. Pretty much anybody that's listening to this knows what's going on, but Foley was under investigation for, we've already discussed it, it was under investigation for inappropriate interactions with a member, um, and I think the investigator found that he was basically guilty, and this was this was a string of things, uh, and they, the board voted unanimously to remove him from office. Um and I think the one thing that needs to that maybe needs to be clarified because USBSA statements don't really clarify it. There's a lot of people that are like saying, did he really get lose his job because he got in an argument with one person? Like you get in, like you get in one argument and you lose your job. That's ridiculous. And that's just not like that's that's part of the story. That was what was probably what pushed it over the edge. But he had. This was not the first time that he got in arguments and, and reacted in a ridiculous manner to a member. Um, and he had been through training, like like they had made him go through, I don't know, what, what do you call that? Sensitivity training? I don't even know if that's the right <laughs> word, but like, what, what do you call it? I don't, I'm not in that world. I don't have to take training like that. My boss is cool. Uh, so I don't have to do that sort of stuff. But like they, the board had put him through training. There's, there's stories of, of bully tactics being used against the board to try to convince them to do what he wants. Um, and, and I think this was kind of just the last straw and it's like, okay, he's gone. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that should speak for itself when like you have to go through training just to be able to like treat other humans with decency. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a pretty big hint right there, um, and when that has zero effect on your behavior, like, like I kind of like you lost your cool once at a match, and you and you lost your cool like, okay, like maybe that happens, but when like the board's like, hey, that can't happen, and 
we're going to make you take a class to teach you how to not do that again, you would think that a reasonable adult would be able to have a little more control to not so, do that again. I, I I remember one big thing from like the first big one that blew up whenever he acted out the first time that kind of came to everyone's attention was when I saw that, I remember like I saw that and I was at a match with some buddies and I'm like, I don't see how fully survives this. Like I, I figured he was going to become unemployed yeah. from that one. Like I was amazed that he didn't. And I had no, like I no, I had no issues with him at the time. I had zero problem. I just saw that action. I'm like, you know, thousand foot view. I'm like, yeah, that man better be updating his resume because he's going to need it. Yeah. Yep. And there was, I think there were other issues with him, other acts, other than just like how he treated people, right? There was uh, financial issues, him using funds inappropriately, stuff like that. So I think there was a bit more to it than than and, just that but and i'm I'm not gonna assume on stuff i don't know i don't know if there was any issue so I, i'm not even gonna mention that as far as like if there was issues with bonds or anything I, I think the issues was the way he acted toward members and unfortunately pretty much good as he came in wanting to do i think uh power got to his head which is easy to have happen to people yeah yeah, and it does seem like like I do think the board gave him every opportunity possible to oh, not God, yeah. to not fire him. Like I, I feel like they, I mean that's I mean there, I'm sure the people that will disagree with me, but I feel like they gave him lots of opportunities um, to keep his job. They did. I don't. I think it was a, with a lot of hesitancy that they that they came to that decision that we're going to let him go. I don't think the board wanted this drama. Nope. I, I would not be surprised if part of what got him was him posting on Facebook asking for people to support him and not do cancel culture. I think that had the complete opposite effect. I think the board members got a ton of emails from people wanting him gone. Personally, I just stayed out of it. I'm like, yeah, nope. Uh, we have a podcast. We've discussed it. People know where we're at. Like, I'm not going to like hammer the area directors on this. Yeah, I think it was Leighton that who's the area two director. I think he posted like he kind of gave a little bit of a synopsis of it because I do think Leighton um, is Leighton is trying to be as transparent as possible. Um, and there's there's certain legal things that they that they're they're legal. Um, it's not representation, but they've been advised to to not talk about certain parts of this. Um, which and I totally get that, like the you know the board has to be protected themselves too a little bit. But he's he does try to be as transparent as he possibly can. That's part of why Leighton wanted to be an area director, um, is he felt like there wasn't enough transparency, and so he he's trying to do that. But I think he said as far as like like those emails and stuff, as far like to hey don't don't remove Foley because don't let cancel culture win. I think he said I think it was him. If it wasn't him, it was another board director. I think it was him that said like seventy five percent of people that contacted him were like, "Yeah, rem- please remove him," uh, and only twenty five percent were were in the favor of keeping him. I, I, know. I think I think it was quite a few emails. I know I shot with. Uh, well, I saw Sherwin at a match. The current Area Three director current at a match. Uh, I guess yes. Now he's president. A couple weeks ago, or a week ago on Saturday. And he said that uh, he had read every message he got. Like, he didn't go into more detail on it. All he was like, I've read every message, and some of them are really long. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I think they were all taking it pretty serious. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I was glad mm-hmm. to see that they voted unanimously. I kind of wonder if they had decided before they went in that they were going to whether it was to keep or to remove, that they were going to vote unanimously one way or the other. Well, I kind of, I, I would not be surprised if there's, there was probably a couple people that might have been on the fence, but like once the first couple of spots go, you know, gone, and Sherwin, uh, uh, what do you call it, when he abstained, abstained from voting, um, 
I think they probably saw where the writing was and wanted to make sure it was a, a clear statement. I figured it would either be unanimous or it wouldn't be close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Foley's gone. Uh, Sherwin was the – he. I mean, he is still the current Area 3 director, but he was the vice president of USPSA. So per bylaws, Sherwin is automatically the president of USPSA now. And they will have uh, an emergency election. And I don't know exactly the dates on when that will happen, but they'll have an emergency election. Um, I've seen but not not emergency special election. Okay, special election. Uh, that's the that's the word they're using for it. They're having a special election uh, to elect a new president, and they will. Um, I assume we'll get ballots, and we'll we'll all be voting as as a membership on on who it is. Yeah. And, and I, I just like I hope we get some good candidates. Um, I know I know of a few that are wanting to run, um, and I don't know if. I'm not sure if anybody's at, or is like totally public as far as that they're running, but um, I just hope we get a good candidate and uh, or we get a couple good ones and we can we can get somebody good in office. Yeah, well, hopefully once we once we start seeing who's planning on running seriously and is actually going to run for it, hopefully we can start getting a few of them on the podcast and talking with them as well. But I don't know yeah. what the I have no idea what a timeline will look like for a special election, but like I have to assume we'll be well into winter before we get going on it because it's just the rec- I think you got to get like a ton of signatures for people to run for president, and then they they got to figure out get to give people time to to run for it. So I would not be surprised if this is something we're voting on in like December January timeframe. Yeah, I mean it's it's somewhat interesting because Sherwin, I mean he was vice president, but his term was up uh, at the end of December. Um, you know, so he he would have he was supposed to be supposed to be finished. He was away. looking. Yeah, he was looking forward to retirement from. The I'm board. sure. I'm sure he was, and so I don't. You know, I don't know if it's a if it's a bylaws thing. Like, like I don't know who was going to be the vice president after Sherwin. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's a. I think if I remember right, what Sherwin said was the the vice president is picked by the president and then approved by the board. Okay. So it's not a the being the vice president's not elected by like us or anything. It's right. Each year or each term, I think it's year, not term, the president picks his vice president and then the board either approves or disapproves of it. So hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if he will pick somebody to be vice president for 2022 and then that person because they're vice president they will become president at the start of 2022 until the new election happens uh that's i don't really know what the, how the, if that's even in the bylaws for that special it's kind of like a w- odd circumstance that we're in um well whoever, see, he until I, it's my understanding until the special election happens is that sherwin would finish out the current president's term until we get the special election so I don't think he's in like a time crunch to have it done by the end of his area three term or anything. Okay. So I I think mean, that, make, certainly... that makes sense. I just didn't know if that was how the bylaws, if they allowed think, for it. Yeah. I haven't read through the bylaws on that stuff. I'm sure. But I think the, the important thing for everyone to remember too, is to not get like in a rush. We want to give enough time for people to announce, get signatures and actually have some candidates. And I'm sure it'll be a runoff election too, because they'll probably end up being, at least four people that run and there are probably two or three of them that are serious. Like they're serious. People are seriously interested and then it'll be a runoff because no one will have a majority. Yeah. It's really interesting because I mean, I, I kind of assume there's going to be a lot of people running. Like, like I would not be surprised if there were six or seven people that want to run for the office. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a pretty well-paid position. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing is somebody said to me the other day, he's like, well, like, uh, like we need somebody that has experience running a multi-million dollar corporation. And it's like, well, I mean, that that's somewhat true. I mean, USPSA is worth worth multi. It's in the multi-millions what it's worth. But at the same time, like if you got somebody that's 
used to running a multi-million dollar corporation, they're probably running that. Like, why would they want to come run USPSA? Uh, and so that's yeah. that's it's kind of an interesting thing as far as as far as who you pick, and then it's it's also not like a lot of people. I, I hear a lot of people say, "Well, we just need to get somebody who we just need a good businessman to be running to be president of this organization." And yes, I agree that that's that is good, but man, they need to be a in my mind they need to be a competitor too because. One of the biggest roles of the president is running nationals, like that. That is their job, and they so they need to know how the sport works. They need to have experience in the sport, um, and and know how to how to make that match and what that match should look like. Um, so well, it's yeah. kind of finding. Find, there's there's actually a pretty small list of people who would actually I think be qualified to have that position. Yeah, I think. You you mentioned some good stuff there, and I think uh, the important thing that's going to stand out to me and what I'm going to care about is somebody that is interested in running USPSA to make it the best competition venue possible. I don't care about growing participation. I don't care about increasing revenues. I want the competition to be better. And there's and it doesn't just mean like, you know, people are like, what's better? It's like, well... Let's we'll start with nationals. Nationals should be a big deal. It should be amazing. It should be at the end of the year. Like it should be the primary focus of USPSA. And when it comes time to grow membership, I want them to grow membership by making better matches so that people want to be there. I don't want them growing membership by throwing in more divisions or or stupid additions or any other stuff. It's kind of like. And I don't want rule changes just made at the stroke of a pen. I, I want to see that stuff thought through a little better. Maybe, you know, send that to the membership that actually shoots. And, like, you know, the people that are caring enough that they're staying on, you know, they're, they're paying attention to what's going on. They're going to communicate with their area directors when they like and don't like stuff. Like, give us a chance to comment on, on the rule changes. But don't just, like, hey, here's this new thing. Like, if this is legal tomorrow. Hope you ordered your magnet today. <laughs> yeah, and, and a little bit of that was um, how the president's salary was structured. Uh, and that basically, I mean, he had his base salary and then his bonuses, this is my understanding, his bonuses were basically all structured on growth and participation numbers and and that sort of stuff. And so I, like, so I think that's why there was such a big push towards how can we get more people to want to, pay for a membership and that was that was really the the i mean that was the main focus of the previous administration uh, was how can we how can we ramp up these numbers um yeah because he got a hefty he got a hefty paycheck from i mean there was growth like there like you can't deny that the last the last i mean foley got lots of growth in the sport i mean it there the numbers are a lot higher um and if that's your only metric then then he was a great president to me, that I think that's a not a. I don't think that's a good metric. I don't uh, think overall the sport's not better today than it was when I started. No, there might be more members, but it's not better. Right. No, definitely not. And I got to say, this is kind of one of those things that I know I expressed opinion about in the past, like uh, that I didn't really necessarily like Mike being in charge. But I didn't really realize how much it bothered me until he was voted out. And then it was like a sigh of relief that I wasn't really expecting, right? I was just kind of doing my own thing over here and not getting too involved. You know, I don't post on social media about it or anything like that. We talk about it briefly here. Um, But like when the news came out that he was gone, I was like, I was ready to party. Like it was a good day, man. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good about it, feeling positive. Um, at the same time, you know, the people that are like, you know, why, why, why vote him out? Like, nope, the next guy's not going to do any better or you can't guarantee the next guy's going to do any better. It's like, that's true. You can't. However, we definitely won't get a chance to see if they can do better if we keep him in, uh, and that is definitely something I would like to see. I would like to see 
if the next person can do better because well, I don't, uh, I'm not a fan of how things are going here. So two things on the, why you vote them out. Like one, it shows that the membership and the people are going to hold that office accountable for their actions. Like it, it shows that you're not going to accept it. And it, it establishes what is expected out of that office. Yeah. And what is expected in USPSA. So, so yes, yeah. it, does it, is it bad that it had to come to that? Absolutely. But, I mean, what do people expect when we have 35,000 members and, like, 8,300 of them or something voted in the last presidential election? Like, yeah, you know, you have a, you have a pretty strong core group of shooters, yeah. and, and there are only so many of the votes, and then there's this other, you know, 30-some thousand members, yeah. and, you know, 5,000 of them vote or whatever. It's like... Right. And what, you know, what better way to unite the people than to have a really shitty leader, right? They're like, yeah, let's get them out. Like, and, and maybe our country will follow the lead, right? Maybe we'll just feel like, we'll just, that'll, that'll be the thing that unites us, right? Yeah. And, and you know the way it is. USPSA, you get a lot of strong personality types. So there's plenty of people that are on both sides of it. Like, it, it, I'm sure this, this whole thing, it's actually... I've seen less of a shit show out of it than I expected online. Yeah. Yeah. But there's plenty of people that really just like how fully was, was removed. And yeah, I, I can understand yeah. it. Some people that were very happy with things he was doing. I've noticed that the trend is that the people who take the competition side of competing serious are not upset with it. Yeah. And that's what I think is going to be important about the next guy coming in. Is it, it really needs to not be somebody who's just familiar with running like a, a million dollar corporation, right? It it really needs to be like a company man, like someone in the sport, someone who knows the sport, uh, somebody who wants to further the sport, somebody who like freaking bleeds the sport, right? Uh, and it also, in my opinion, uh, as far as like how they should run this deal like this should be like a craft that we keep honing right this should be something that we just keep like rounding the edges and and making smoother and better and more efficient and making it better and better and better and not changing and adding rules and uh constantly restructuring things it's like i don't know that's kind of how i view it it's just like it's a, a skill or a craft and and we want to make it better with like very tiny changes, you know, and uh, I don't know, just, just sticking to what we know is good. Sticking to what, uh, what the competitors want, what's going to draw competitors, uh, what's going to make it prestigious. Uh, oh yeah. And I talked to Jeremy about this and I talked to a couple other people about this. Uh, this was one of the main things that has really bothered me about USPSA uh, since I've been in it, I guess, or since I started uh, really following like high-end sports is like promotional material for for like nationals or big, big events uh, in this sport. Promotional material, the cover of it is like, and I know this is going to sound bad, but it's like old fat dudes and 12 year old girls like that's what's on the front of our our promotional material okay uh you go to like another high-end sport and who's on the promotional material it's the badasses it's the ones winning it's who's going to be competing for the title they're promoting that competition they're they're promoting the fight uh the the rivalries and all all that they're promoting that and in this sport you know we're not promoting that. We're we're promoting old fat guys and twelve year old girls. That's what we're promoting when we promote our 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 big events. That's just how I see it. I I might be an idiot, but whatever. I mean, no, I it's it. a. I mean, it's a it's a fair observation. Uh, is that is that most most any professional sport, and we're we're not a professional sport. Uh, like I mean, that's I think that's a yeah. fair assessment to say we're not a professional sport, but. Any any professional sport out there views their athletes and their star athletes as assets. They are, they are assets that we want to 
that we will promote because they will promote us. Uh, people will be interested in them because they want to see the best and they're interested in the best. Um, and so they promote that. And, and yeah, you're right. We, we don't promote uh, the best in the sport. We promote the average, the average Joe, um, which most of us are average Joes. Uh, and that's, and that's fine. Um, but we're, we're not promoting our best athletes, our best, our best skilled shooters. Maybe some of you wouldn't call athletes. I don't know, but we're not promoting our best competitors. Um, yeah. always. So yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, so yeah, hopefully Jeff, are you going to run? No, no, I'm not going to run. I know it's sad. I know it's what the people want, but no. I, not dude, I I hear it every day. The people are like we want Jeff, we want Jeff. <laughs> Me too. It's usually like at night when I'm dreaming, but <laughs> I do hear it. <laughs> I'm sorry, you, people. I'm sorry. You You're gonna have to to find another candidate. Jeremy, you you've got lots of free time. You barely work when you're building guns. You should run. I I don't think I have the personality to be president of USBSA. Yeah, I don't think you do either. I feel the same. I feel about the same about myself. It's definitely I, think, I mean not I a think position I, could, I am right for. I think I could do the job, but I think I think I would wear people thin real quick. You, you think there'd yeah. be a, another seven point seven vote? I mean, I think I would be smart. I would be smart enough to not. I, I think I would be smart enough to not put myself in that situation. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think people would like. There's not a lot of people that like me as is, and I think if I was president, there'd be even yeah. less that like me by the time I got yeah. done with it. One thing I gotta say is, like, as a platform. We should we should stay away from promoting any one individual. Uh, if we want to bring bring light to individuals, you know, um, let the people I, see the candidates or whatever. But uh, I agree. As a, yeah. as a pod as a podcast, we are not going to support any specific person because I would like for everyone who is running to come on the podcast. Does, does, any, does everybody remember? When Foley was running, how hardcore he got he got promoted, and then it was like, oh, crap, what have we done kind of deal. Does anybody remember that? I remember that. That was like when yeah, I, I mean, first there, got into the sport. There wasn't, like, I mean, when Foley got elected, like, there wasn't a lot of, we haven't Manny, had, like, we have not Manny had. Manny ran against him. Did Manny rent, run? Manny ran at that time, yeah. Interesting. Um, I kind of forgot that Manny had run at that time. Um, Like, we haven't had a lot of great people to elect. We haven't had a lot of great options to elect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and I'll be. I mean, I guess if if Jeff is putting the he he's 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 mutant putting the mute button on me, then fine. No, I would. I wouldn't say that. I was just saying I don't think we should. You know, you you are your own person, Jeremy. So you, as a, you do whatever yes. you want to do. As a as a podcast, we should not support an individual candidate. As well. I mean, I I'm feel not, like if we I get like if we if Jeff we say we have six in it, we have six we have six people running. We offer a chance for all of them to come on. And let's say five of them come on, and it's yeah. like uh, one of these is definitely way better than the others. At that point, I have absolutely no problem being like, yes, I think this person should be. Uh, should be president. Okay. Well, I'll just disagree with you no matter who you choose, so we'll have a nice balance. That I'm just not going to I'm just not going to say who who I'm going to vote for on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we know we know that you will avoid anything you will be politically correct at every possible chance cuz you hang I'm out just, with Joel Park a lot and y'all <laughs> will avoid anything of any sort of controversy. Me and Joel actually have a lot of politically correct phone calls. I'm sure you do as long as you like you'll have oh to my gosh. check and double check that there's nobody listening to this. Like make sure nobody can hear this. Like we can't let this out. We have to make sure that we are all as PC as possible if somebody might hear it. Exactly. I can't wait for Jeremy to choose a candidate so that I can just rip them apart viciously. 
That'll be I fun. Hope, I hope he doesn't that. choose somebody I like. Uh, there's a good chance that it will be. You never know. Uh, so it's going to be even I, more fun if it's somebody I like. I got a. Uh, so <laughs> our last episode, we talked about popper calibration, uh, and I did get a I did get a response to it. Uh, you I'm got hate say, mail. Well, I got hate mail about another member of the podcast, but I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say who it was. Uh, say but, it. No, I'm not. But this person said. Uh, Steel calibration solution. Mandate that the ROs reset the steel. 99% of the steel issues are due to lazy ROs that let the steel setting deteriorate until it fails because they never maintain it. I, I said, I don't disagree, but it's a little bit delicate blaming volunteers in this sport for that problem. Um, and he says, you know what? There is no room for, quote, I am going to work shitty because I am a volunteer unquote in this sport so i don't disagree with the guy like i, I <laughs> like there is a there is a lot to that if ro's maintain their stage uh throughout a match then a lot of these popper like you see a lot of popper calibrations that are like dudes like it's it has deteriorated to use his word um their stage is deteriorated yeah. so yeah, I don't disagree, and because you do see ROs that are on top of it, right? Yep. You like you go to you go to uh, to matches where you see just like extraordinary RO crews, right? You know what? And you're like, holy crap! What if what if every RO crew at this match was like cared about their stage this much? It would be so freaking smooth. Saw that True. this weekend. There was a there's a stage with some poppers on it that the ROs were concerned about one of the poppers and called for Mr. Fix It before it was a problem. Awesome. And then the popper, I think they either they were either able to fix it or they had to replace it. I don't remember which. Was, we were we were waiting for like 20 minutes, but it prevented any issues down the road because the ROs were staying on top of it. That's awesome. Uh, I will also amend. I think I said in the last one that like Jeff, right of Jeff's solution was allowing static steel, um, and I said I was partial. I was kind of okay with that, uh, and I'm not okay with that anymore. I changed my mind. Uh, static steel is problematic, just because it, it kind of comes like I hit it. I think and I heard it hit. Well, the RO is like, well, I didn't hear it, and. It just, I mean, you go and look and you check the paint, yes, but it's still, it still kind of becomes like, well, I think I hit it. And then the the problem is the shooter gets confused, right? Like the shooter gets confused. I think I, I thought I heard something. And so they leave and then they, like right now they can look and they can see that it's it's down or not. And they can decide to shoot it or not. When it's static, they can, it's it's not so great. Um, so yeah. I would, I am, I am less in favor of static steel than I was before. So I just want to put that out there. I agree. Um, that's kind of why when we talked about it, I asked about Steel Challenge because it seems to work with Steel Challenge. I, I don't know. I've never been to like a high-end Steel Challenge match, but that's why I asked. I was like, well, how are they making it work? If I mean, that's all it is, is, is audible hits pretty much, right? Uh, yeah, and I kind of wonder if it's a little bit is is because their stages are so simple. It's It's just five targets. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it's their stages are super simple. Like there's you're not there's not like, oh, it was back at position two, I think, where you shot at this and I think you hit it or it, I think you didn't hit it, so we need to check it. Like it just you know. And then you you would run into the stuff where people would paint it and like, oh no, we did you paint that? Well, we thought it was a miss. And so then it's like, well, did it get painted or not? And I'm I, the more I think about it, the less I'm in favor of of static steel. I think we need to keep we need to keep falling steel. Everything we can do to keep falling steel to be the norm in USPSA. I agree. Wouldn't be the same without it. Yeah. Well, we, we'd be losing. You're both wrong because it doesn't fit into my plan. So you're excommunicated. Darn. King Jeff kicked us out. <laughs> All right, boys, that's all we got for this week. 
send us any questions that you have, and uh, we will happily discuss cuss and discuss that on the podcast. And I'll tell Jeff he's an idiot, and he'll tell me I'm mean, and it'll be fun. It always is. It always is. Oh, stop recording, damn it. <laughs>